0: Thank you for tuning into to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, welcome to the program.
1: Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you?
0: You have a little, little voice there, so you're going <coughs> to make me do all the work today? Well, that's impossible. <laughs> so. Sorry about that. <coughs> no, I, I know the frustration. <coughs> I've been there, so you know i want to talk about uh, uh you know the uh, whole mess over in ukraine it it, it doesn't get better i watch the markets and sometimes the markets uh, say things are pretty good they're improving somebody said something positive and the markets go up but the markets aren't reliable long term but you do get some information right now the markets are saying you know uh uh there's some inflation out there and there is some concern and people are upset but uh, the war keeps going i keep thinking what what's we're what trying to figure out now is uh is what's the future of the individuals fighting this war and i keep i keep thinking that the uh that the business uh you know of of war is to have war and this is this is what they're doing it seems like our government needs to keep this going Uh, and we've condemned the military industrial complex for many many years and uh, it seems like there are times uh, in the past we've mentioned you know sometimes our government acts as if they're terrified that peace will break out and uh, that doesn't motivate spending and uh, this this is uh, right now I think spreading. Uh, this business of war keep things going maybe maybe the ukraine thing won't be there for for a long time or maybe we should at least have things out there most of the time it is said that countries get into war by both sides miss uh uh, underestimating the opposition i think if we do this They won't do anything or they're going to do something, and they're wrong, and then they end up, and they ratchet up, before, and then they're into a hot war. Well, right now, I think there's some more ratcheting up here. Uh, There's a, uh, the U.S. right now is uh, sending more troops, a lot more troops to Europe. And they're packing them in uh, eastward, uh, right up, uh, right on the wall, which which was really one of the contentions, you know, the whole thing. And we've been talking about that since 2014, you know, that we took over the foreign policy and and uh, they were totally ignoring, uh, uh, you know, uh, what the Russians were saying and doing. And uh, I think out of frustration, they decided to uh, teach everybody a lesson and say, look, you're not going to mess around with us. But here we are. We're continuing. More troops, more spending, and even the uh, Secretary General of NATO says we have to ratchet up the spending. And uh, of course, uh, I, I uh, have never been a fan of NATO. Uh, if if there was one thing that could have been done many years ago, is just never have this concept of NATO countries getting together. Uh, for various reasons they they didn't get together to come to our rescue if we got into a war that, that is not the reason they joined nato they thought it would be a free ride and they wouldn't have to spend so much of their own money on their own defense and we would come to the rescue and all these things so people joined and uh so people people like it and, and the uh patriotic zealous uh in in this country, as in most countries, are really excited about it. You know, they think they think they think uh, this is this is wonderful that uh, that we have an empire. They won't admit those words, but that essentially is is a sign of strength. You know, uh, that they can do this. But right now. Uh, I fear for this because I think it's escalating. I think this 100,000, taking the troops up to 100,000 is just another message once again. And uh, and they're saying, well, we'll teach that Putin a lesson. But it doesn't seem to be working. I think uh, deep down inside Bering, there are more and more resentments and that there is not a real uh, effort to try to work things out. I mean, they, I, I don't hear about peace talks. You know, it took a long time for uh, people to have serious peace talks. That is when we had to surrender in Vietnam. They had peace talks and we had to walk away from that. But that, that, that that's not what's happening now. I think uh, this has to linger for a long time and people are prepared. The people who make money off war, they're preparing for this and that's why this uh, effort, both by NATO and the United States, is building troops and uh, not making any serious effort. And then it's. it's. It's a blame game. It's all Russia's fault. No, it's all the Ukrainians, it's their fault. It's back and forth because there's no sincere effort and yet the people have to be talked into it to become patriotic citizens who are willing to throw their lives out in the front lines and have a lot of people killed and uh, maybe, to me, I'm afraid the killing has only started. Well, you know, after the uh, Cold War ended, we were expecting a peace dividend
1: right? No sooner did that end that we started uh, letting countries into NATO that were formerly in the Eastern Bloc. Even though the Warsaw Pact had ended, we started moving the borders eastward. And then we got a 20-year war in Afghanistan and a continuing war even in Iraq. So that went. And so now as soon as the Afghanistan war was over uh, just a few months ago, now we've got another big war that we have to keep funding. Let's put up that first clip because, and in, in hats off to uh, antiwar.com for, for putting a, an, an analysis of it, Ukraine war may lead to rethinking of US defense of Europe. And from that article, here's a clip, let's put on the second one. And this says, I think everything you need to know, Dr. Paul, the prospect of a bigger military footprint in Europe is a remarkable turnaround from just two years ago. In 2020, President Donald Trump ordered thousands of American troops out of Germany as part of his argument that Europeans were undeserving allies. Just days after taking office, President Joe Biden stopped with the withdrawal before it could start. And his administration has stressed NATO's importance, even as Biden intensifies China as the main long-term threat to US security. So you have to start wondering, what's really going on here? Why do they really hate Trump so much? And why are they so happy now that we're reversing and then some?
0: I keep thinking, where's John Quincy Adams when we need him? (laughs) You know, stay out of this mess, entangling alliances. You know, when uh, the COVID thing broke out, uh, I was convinced that we were in the early stages and never got over the recession of 2008. And the problems were bad. The stock market was not doing so well. And COVID came along and seemed to be convenient. So the war, the declaration of war against COVID was convenient for some people, but they had to scare the people. Once again, fear, fear is a good driving force. So they built up the fear. Everybody was going to die. We heard the lies about that. So that that went on, and they had uh, people, uh, you know, fighting. Now we fought it on a civil liberties front and a, and a science front. Well, why, why don't we uh, pay more attention to some common sense? And uh, yet now it's getting more difficult to use COVID as the reason. For us having you know a disaster on our doorstep, and I think ultimately the disaster is a financial thing, and, and things are breaking down in that area. So they uh, they do they do this, and uh, and now if if peace breaks out, that puts a damper on spending. So what are they doing now? The war is uh, probably not uh, enough for them, so they want to make sure it doesn't back down, just like they do with COVID. There's another virus coming, another. Uh, virus is coming and uh right now i think the um <clears throat> the distraction it was a distraction the war mo- for uh, the warmongering distraction uh you know with a covid uh was w- was deliberate i think this uh distraction now serves their interest it's it's not that anybody that supports the war has figured this out and this is what we have to do. But I think there's forces behind the scene that move it along that the, the, the managers, the ultimate managers of the economy, which gets us into so much trouble. And they've they've done that. And right now, I, I think that uh, the effort is is to keep things going. And uh, I, I think some of this uh, agitation is the preparation for an economy that's gonna be in shambles and, uh, you know, uh, During World War II, people, you know, they didn't forget about it, but they concentrated only on one thing, and that was fighting the enemy. And uh, and, and in that day and age, things were a little bit different. And the people did come together and uh, suffered, uh, uh, you know, over this situation. But, uh, you know, the economic policies, the COVID policies, this uh, foreign policy, it all seems to me to coming together. And yet uh, I, I believe that uh, uh, there's uh, available to us and to everybody in this country, the ideas that could turn this around.
1: Well, it's interesting that you bring up COVID in this context, because you could look at Jen Stoltenberg, the Secretary General of NATO, as kind of a Fauci-like figure. Uh, he's plodding along. He's basically a failed Norwegian uh, diplomat. Uh, but now, all of a sudden, he's back in the limelight, just like Fauci. There's nothing that faceless bureaucrats love more than being back in the limelight and having some attention. And this is why, we put up in this next clip, you alluded to what Stoltenberg said. All of a sudden, of course, he wasn't treated very well by Trump. Trump didn't have a lot of respect for people like that. Uh, but now that he's back in the limelight, here's what he says. Ahead of the, a coming meeting, uh, NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg said allies should be prepared for, quote, major increase in military spending. Quote, on land, this could include substantially more forces on the eastern part of the alliance. And also major increases on our air and naval deployments, strengthening our integrated air and missile defense, reinforcing cyber defense, et cetera, et cetera. It's a big spending boon. And Jen
0: Stoltenberg is riding that happy missile to fame and fortune. It's amazing people don't recognize it. Well, this isn't going to work very well, but I think that's what they're doing. They're waking up and they're spending their money, and that's why we're having the price inflation right now. Uh, there's a, a report that uh, the the leadership in, in Brussels, the various countries, will be get together for a summit yeah. at the end of the month, and uh, and and talk about the policies there. And uh, you know there are 30 countries involved, and they're not 30 countries that are bound together. Like uh, you could argue, you know, the 50 states are bound together. And when it comes to serious foreign policy, they generally will go together. But these 30 countries each have their agenda. And but they're but the they're the military arm of the United Nations. They're the military uh, arm that hides, you know, all the direct responsibility being on the United States because it it's usually our weapons. It's usually our money and our soldiers and and uh, our property profiteering, it's, uh, it's all there. But uh, th- this, this is has established. So I don't know, um, you might make a comment on if you have one on, on what, what comes of these meetings. We'll have a summit. Sounds to me good. I wish they'd wake up and, and have a, a brilliant deduction. Uh, you know, we shouldn't be doing all this. I don't think that's this is likely to happen.
1: Well, what does happen is a lot of money gets spent. And this is from the White House. And we get this from another antiwar.com article whichever everyone you read, antiwar.com every day. The White House is pointing out they're sending another almost billion dollars in military equipment to Ukraine. 800, single, 800 Stinger missiles, 2,000 javelins, et cetera, et cetera, rifles, millions of rounds of ammunition, body armor, et cetera. So what this is doing is prolonging a war there. It's going to get more people killed. In, in fact, the matter is, as the Russians already warned, We see this as a legitimate military target. I mean, obviously, these things are going to be used to kill Russians. That's the point. So when they're coming in on a train, Russia will see that as as, as, as a hostile act. We saw just a couple of days ago when the Russians blew up this training ground in western Ukraine that was going to be used to train mercenaries to come in and kill Russians. They're just going to blow these up. And when they blow them up, nobody's going to cry except the taxpayer because they'll just refill it and do more and more. Oh, we need another 2,000 javelins. That sounds good. That sounds good. A lot more bathrooms are going to get remodeled around the
0: beltway. You know, I think part of our strategy, the United States government right now and a Biden strategy, is to participate and be very important and to uh, wheel and deal on, on all these decisions. And yet, uh, they've, he's made one promise. No American troops on the ground. And... You know, for the war going on there, you know, there's not been any American, Americans may have been killed, but we don't see the body bags coming in. And that's what he wants to avoid. But that, 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 I don't think that will give, is going to eventually will give him cover. Because, uh, you know, it's still our money and our weapons. If he sees he's getting moral cover for this and the American people will be satisfied, the results of this, you know, it's spreading and changing and all that, those dangers still exist. But uh, but he still says we're not troops. But even that is uh, you could say lie or fibbing or a distra- distraction, to because we have what was it eight years they've been training troops. our yeah. CIA has been in there ever since the coup. Ever since we participated in the coup and helped set up this mess, uh, you know uh, they the, our our trainers is well, a trainer in the military teaching people how to Kill somebody else that we decides our enemy. Uh, that's that's uh, pr- pr- pretty much like troops on the ground, but they're they're protective of that. And that's is uh, uh, you know a lot of people don't re- remember it or or recall that uh, that's the way Vietnam started. Eisenhower sent in uh, you know troops, uh, not troops uh, training, yeah, personnel, yeah, and uh, then it just grew from there. They 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 never seem to stop growing. So even if you change president or if and we When you change president, you know, somebody has this limited scope. So let's say that we get another president in and conditions haven't changed a whole lot, even though we still hadn't put the troops on. We might get somebody in there and say, we're sick and tired of this. We're going in. And that's a danger, I think, that we have, too, because first thing they don't ask. You know, we don't declare war because there's no justification for it, and uh, we don't uh, we, we don't uh, see, uh, you know let let people realize that uh, going in there right now would be it would be foolhardy. But some people could get talked into it. You know, if it's, if it's lingering and it looks like we're losing because we're weak. You know, oh yeah, you're you're too weak. Yeah, but yeah, but we spent a lot of money and we sent a lot of bombs over there, and the military industrial complex they're doing pretty good you know uh, their profits are building but uh i I think that uh uh the the whole the the whole thing uh about this deception about no troops on the ground so it's okay we're not morally responsible for uh fighting and killing a a, a foreign enemy you know the
1: we have a good article up on the ron paul institute website from jordan schachtel and he makes a very important point which is how is this current border dispute between Russia and Ukraine. And that's essentially what it is. Of course, it's bloody, of course, it's terrible. But how is this border dispute between Russia and Ukraine in any way, shape or form in the US interest? How, why <laughs> would we benefit from it? Why do we care who does one side or the other? How is it in our interest? And of course, they will come back and say, well, we have to support democracy. We have to support the democracy there. Well, we kind of messed that up in 2014 and back in 2005, two times when we overthrew the democracy, Although I did notice on Twitter now that if you mention that the U.S. was involved in the 2014 coup, you're repeating Russian talking points. So all the stuff you saw with Newland and that, forget it, because that's Russian talking points. But put on this next clip, this is what you were referring to, Dr. Paul. And again, this is antiwar.com day because we got it from antiwar. They do great uh, work when there's a crisis like this. But this is about a secret CIA training program, as you say, Dr. Paul, eight years, so essentially from the... The day that coup was over, the CIA went in, and it says that secret CIA program in eastern Ukraine was much more provocative than the other training programs since it essentially meant the U.S. was involved in a proxy war on Russia's border. Now, everyone says uh, that this was totally unprovoked, the Russian attack on Ukraine, and this is not to justify war, but you want to say totally unprovoked, totally unprovoked. Well, here now we're seeing that for eight years the CIA was training Ukrainians how to kill Russians in eastern Ukraine. It went on and on. Talked about NATO membership. Again, it's not to justify it, but you can't simply say that it was completely unprovoked. We kept poking and poking and poking, and then all of a sudden they poked back. Yes, maybe they poked back in a massive way that nobody approves of. However, you have to look at why are we training, why do we have the CIA in there training them how to kill Russians? How does it make any sense? How does it help us in any way?
0: You know, one of the uh, thorny things that uh, makes us more vulnerable is that we we have gained control of the financial markets of the world, weakening all the time. But that happened after World War II. Uh, we uh, we had the military. Uh, uh, we were in charge of NATO. All all these things, and uh, we uh, we we did we did this, and um, the the. People there, uh, you know, said that uh, th- this this can't work. But people, uh, we became powerful. We controlled the financial markets. If they don't do what we tell them, uh, you know, uh, we're going to put on sanctions. I, I I really detest sanctions because that's another gimmick to hide. We're not killing them. We're not bombing. We're just stealing their money. And what they did to Russia is uh, they they froze half of their foreign uh, currency, which means a lot of dollars were totaled And uh, so when uh, when Biden was charged with uh, calling Putin a, a war criminal, Putin said, well, you stole all our money yeah. in that. But, but when we give it back like on occasion we give a little bit of this back then it's called an expense and the hawk saying oh this is horrible you gave iran all this money yeah but we stole it fair and square and yeah. we don't have to give it back yeah. so that's 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 the, the the big problem is so much power and uh but right now i think the financial power and control the dollar is weakening i think that uh all this stuff that goes on the failure in foreign policy we could List them, you know, even back as far as the Vietnam War in the '60s. But some people might go back and start listing failures back then, even the Korean War. How many people died over the Korean War? And and I always put it back down to, uh, you know, if we had done it properly, we would have made the people respond by telling their congressmen whether they should vote for war or not. And uh, they never do it anymore. And uh, therefore, uh, this uh, no win, no loss, no... It's it's do whatever they want. And that was the evil with that one resolution giving Bush the authority. It didn't tell him. It just said, well, in essence, it said... Do what you have to do, yeah. but you don't have to bother us, uh, you know, to to declare war. And, uh, of course, the disaster now, you know, there's a, a lot of Ukrainians have been killed. A lot of Russians have been killed. But uh, there has been some good points made out that uh, they're devastating. If you think from this century, since since uh, uh, 9-11 how many wars have we been involved you know in the middle east afghanistan syria and all these places uh, that how many how many people died at the hands of us dropping bombs and putting in troops. Uh, the Balkans is another example. Yeah. We bombed a lot there and killed a lot of people. And, uh, and you know, compared, uh, you, you know, the people that died there at the hands of NATO, because it's always they hide behind NATO. Oh, this was a NATO exercise. It wasn't the United States doing this. We weren't looking for, for more land. We just want to control that pipeline. That's all we want. We, we're not going to take over their land and their... Uh, and, and the, the, the whole country. So that is uh, that's that is a problem, and I think it's interventionism. If I had one word, too much intervention in the affairs of other nations, just as it is, huh? too much intervention in the affairs of individuals and how they how they live their lives and spend their money, and uh, t- t- just too much intervention by government telling us what we can do with our lives and and uh, how to run the economy.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. We talk a lot about uh, projection. It seems like the U.S. government is always guilty of doing that which it claims and accuses others of doing. Uh, Now, uh, Putin may may or may not be a war criminal, but it's very rich coming from someone like Joe Biden (laughs) accusing him of being a war criminal because Biden himself is on record, is on tape, admitting to being a war criminal. Let's run that first clip. Let's play the whole thing. This is Biden uh, back in 99 bragging. About being a war criminal. And just play that, that whole 20 seconds of that. Make sure that sound is on too, because we need to hear it.
0: What you suggest, because back then, when I was in your position, I was suggesting we bomb Belgrade. I was suggesting that we send American pilots in and blow up all the bridges on the Drina. I was suggesting we take out his oil supplies. I was suggesting very specific action. And isn't it interesting that we did different so i'm, just to say what what suggest, I'm the one then, i'm the
1: one who suggested bombing serbia i'm the one who suggested <laughs> blowing up all the bridges i'm the one who suggested blowing up all their oil supply he's admitting on tape that he literally is a war criminal <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right i'm going to get sort of uh ready to wind down here here uh uh Let's see. Okay, I, I, the one one I want to talk about is is, uh, is Biden. Uh, Biden admitting? Uh, yeah. Well, the New York Times admitting. You know. When this whole thing came out in the election and the Biden computer and Biden's son, all this stuff, how orchestrated it was the media came through and it probably had a big difference. It solidified uh, a lot of votes in favor of of Biden, although uh, there may have been other ways that they solidified Uh some of these votes. But uh, it was it was declared uh, Russian disinformation. But I tell you, Glenn Greenwald came out today, and I think he hit the nail on the head on this, on, on, on what he thought of what was, what was going on. And here in the article says, the, the media outlet which spread this lie from ex-CIA officials never retracted their pre-election falsehoods, ones used by big tech to censor reporting on the front-runner. So there's a couple issues there. How does big tech get to censor us and take away our freedom of speech? That's one thing. And And then they're doing it and promoting a lie. They ought to have been sued for slander and one of the and glenn goes on he said this is one of the most successful disinformation campaigns in modern american electoral history in the weeks prior to the 2020 uh, presidential election which i believe to be true and yet uh, there's a a big argument still going on over this yes yeah, you know this everyone should pause and think about this
1: because at the time this came out there were what, 20 or 40 or however many national security experts including john brennan and the others signed a letter saying, this Hunter Biden story is Russian disinformation. Of course, they were lying through their teeth. Now we know, we we knew all along, but now the New York Times admits they were all lying through their teeth. So now when people start saying, well, that's Russian disinfo, that's Russian disinfo, people should stop for a second and realize that term is being used to stop debate, to quash debate. And like with the Hunter Biden story, 99.9% of it is a pack of lies. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I, and I've been wondering about this, and we talked a little bit about it earlier. Is d- does the New York Times do this to regain credibility? Can they get their credibility? There, there might be a little, bit, a little bit of that, uh, but uh, I don't know whether they have turned over a new leaf and they're going to have uh, a more dedication to being journalists. It's not well said, but it still is a point which it, w- w- this message needs spread. I don't know how much uh, attention it's going to get, the fact that this came out, but we'll do our best to spread the message around about what's going on. I'm all done, sir. Okay, and I want to once again thank uh, our viewers for tuning in today, and uh, we are going to continue our efforts uh, to uh, make sure we can get the best information possible and give our best assessment of what's going on, especially what's happening in Ukraine. That's it's going to be around a while, and what we have said today, it looks like uh, NATO and the United States is proving to make sure we're available all over Europe and piling in more troops and uh, directed right toward uh, you know Western Ukraine, and uh, this this is uh, something that is is available, and I've been harping on the economy and the COVID, uh, the war going on, at the Federal Reserve. It's all coming together, and it's a big mess. Um, uh it doesn't have to be that way it has been said by austrian economists when you have a mess like this if you would just say throw in the towel hands off give the people their liberties and don't don't, don't overtax and overregulate them let them go to work and most of the time things will straighten out in about a year so that was what i would favor but i'll tell you what We haven't prepared the way quite well enough yet, but we're gonna continue making that effort to prepare the way for the acceptance of liberty. I wanna thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.